welcome back to season three of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season has been focused on interviewing people who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. As much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. That's what keeps this show on the air. You can also show support by purchasing one of my books or donating through PayPal. You can find the links to either option in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds do go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I am Amanda Blackwood, your host, as usual. Uh, today with me, I have a gentleman by the name of Keith D. Guernsey. He is absolutely incredible. He survived two life-threatening brain surgeries, three cancer battles, and it, some pretty serious other stuff, too. But I'm going to let him tell you this story. Uh, Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you for having me on. I'm very honored to be here. Of course, of course. I'm glad to have you with me. Uh, we were able to find each other through Facebook. You're in yes. one of the author groups that I'm a member of. So I was uh, I was really happy to hear from you because this is the kind of story that we don't hear of very often. People see this as being a medical yeah. journey. Uh, they don't want to acknowledge that it's a very traumatic journey, not just for you, but for your family also. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start with something a little bit lighthearted. Tell me about your life when you were a kid. Where did you grow up? Where are you originally <laughs> from? <laughs> I am originally from historic Lexington, Massachusetts. Ooh. Uh, remember, uh, if your history books um, talk about don't shoot to see the whites of their eyes. If right. If they mean to have a war, let it begin here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and and um, I grew up there for, you know, well, I, I, my wife will say I'm still not grown up, even at 70 <laughs> years young. But anyway, um, I grew up there for the better part of, well, I was there in and out for about 30, 40 years. And um, it, it was it was like heaven. I mean, it was upper middle class. Um, at the time, it was uh, more or less crime free, if you will. Um, very quiet suburban area, uh, 12 miles from Fenway Park and the rest of downtown Boston. Um, and mm -hmm. I was a uh, hockey and football player which means I took a lot of hits to the head, uh, <laughs> which is why I'm talking on a headset now because I'm down on my last good ear. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it was, uh, I wouldn't trade it for all the world. It was the most wonderful learning experience. Um, I'd have to say I grew up fairly entitled, if you will, um, upper middle class. Um, and yeah, I was spoiled uh, to be very honest with you growing up as a kid because i had everything where we lived i could walk to my uh, elementary school junior high high school um, all the ball fields my skating rink you name it it was just it, it couldn't have been a more perfect location and a perfect setting to grow up which you know as i got on in life kind of brought about some issues if you will um you know that some would say the darker side of Keith Guernsey in terms of, um, and I wrote in one of my books that uh, basically at at forty four years young I was a perpetually overweight party hardy kind of guy, and um, you know I was 
between the ages of say about 25 and 45, um, it was not my finest moments, if you will. <laughs> and um, and, and then, <laughs> then my life took an astounding turn for the better. And, and it was a simple act of buying a newspaper that was really the turning point in my life. Um, wow. and, and let me, let me kind of elaborate on that, Amanda. Um, I was single. I had been divorced for 15 years and kind of in a big rut, um, sinking faster than, uh, the Titanic, uh, if you will. Um, I was spending every weekend alone and lonely up at my lakefront condo, simply looking for someone to hang out with, get a meal with, go to movies. Um, I decided to stop hanging around at the same bar room every weekend when I went up there. Um, you know, having everyone knows your name is only good if you're Norman Cheers, and it was not for Keith Guernsey. So I went and bought a newspaper, turned to the personals, and in the very back, it said WWWF. I had absolutely no clue what that meant. Picked up the phone, called. Nice young lady answered the phone, and we talked for an hour, bonded over our love of families and friends, and I finally got up the courage to ask her what WWWF meant, and she said, widowed white female, and I said, what about the third W, and she says, must have been a typo, and I said, and I would learn in later years that it stood for wonderful. Uh, yeah, 27 years, she is now... Um, my life, my love, um, far and away the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm confident in saying that I would not be here right now to talk to you if it wasn't for her. Um, wow. I, unfortunately, um, you know, if, if, even though I was overweight and probably drinking too much, um, I was reasonably healthy until um, I went to the doctor with a hearing problem. And many tests later, they said, you have a benign brain tumor called an acoustic neuroma on your the left side of your head. Um, had 10 hours of brain surgery in Boston at Brigham Women's Hospital in 95. They got the whole tumor. I was happy as a clam. 96 is when you know, I hit this black period um, and I was up at my lake house and I, I bought the paper. Um, Susan and I met and we felt instantly alike. And then we had a friend um, and then the, the relationship got to the point where we're getting serious. We were living together. And the very first gift I gave her, Amanda, was to sit through the most, the 12 most excruciating hours while my second brain surgery took place. Oh, wow. They had gotten the whole tumor, but not the surrounding tumor cells. So I had to go back in. And this one, and I won't bore you with all the medical jargon because it's looking back on it 20 some years, it's kind of ugly. But the fact of the matter is, um, I was headaches and couldn't sit, couldn't stand, couldn't do much of anything. All I could do was eat. And when I eat like that, I eat comfort food, pizza, Chinese food, and things of that nature. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know all, the syndrome. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden I hit the scale and it said 340 pounds. 
And I, I'm, I'm, although I have a stocky build, I'm only 5'8". And I looked in the mirror one day and I said, you know what? You, it's taken you 44 years to find the love of your life, and, but you're not going to be with her for very much longer if you keep this up. So I went back in the gym and I started to take the weight off and I started to eat things that are a little healthier than just pizza and Chinese food and takeout. And since then, we got married in 97. We had 20 almost perfect years. We traveled all over the Florida panhandle um, and, and everywhere else. And it was incredible. You know, we, went to, we got engaged in Bermuda, et cetera. <laughs> and then in 2018, reality intruded one more time. Um, and I was told I had prostate cancer. And I had uh, four hours of successful prostate cancer surgery in 2018. Um, thought I was healthy, cancer-free. Uh, the doctor told me that. I danced down the hall, out the door. And if you've ever seen a, a clumsy old guy with two left feet dance, you know it's a, hike, a sight to behold. Um, I got a lot of stares and a lot of strange looks, but I didn't care. I, I was about to spend the last third of my life healthy and happy with the girl of my dreams. And we had all kinds of plans. We were going to travel everywhere. It was wonderful. And then reality came in one more time um, in the form of high protein uh, in my blood, which led to my second cancer diagnosis, which is called multiple myeloma. It's a rare blood cancer. Now, I still have it because there's no cure, but it's with advances in treatment, it, it can be taken care of, it can be moderated. And I'm in remission. Um, I feel great back in the gym every morning at four o'clock. Um, but until they find a cure, it will never be completely gone. It will always be there kind of dormant in remission. Right. Uh, and, and then um, reality came back one last time in 2021 when I was diagnosed with melanoma, which is a skin cancer. I had six hours of surgery for that. Um, and, and that was, knock on wood, the last bump in the road as of this moment in time. And like I said, I feel great. Uh, I'm in the gym at four o'clock in the morning for an hour. Um, I, I feel, my, my driver's license says I'm 70, but I don't feel 70, I feel like 30. Once in a while, <laughs> once in a while I feel 40 if I've had a tough workout that morning. But um, <laughs> that's, that's my story. And, and um, I've also written five books that uh, have been very popular. I write nonfiction, tell kind of my life stories. And Susan is fond of saying, you just keep getting other types of cancer so you can write a new book. <laughs> and, and while that isn't, that isn't quite true, it, it's been, um, you know, subject matter for a couple of my books. Um, one of which, right. my most recent one, On the Road to Remission, has been very popular. And as a matter of fact, he, I've heard one person say, um, I would recommend this to anyone. Wow. Uh, and, and it's nice, that's nice things to hear. Uh, Absolutely. And, and now I'm giving back uh, charity wise. I'm a myeloma coach. I'm an Immerman angel. It's hard to say this after it's late in the day. <laughs> um, a mentor. I work with the local community fund, two local community funds. Um, Susan and I do a lot of charity work, and most of my time is spent 
um, with the American Cancer Society. I'm on the event leadership team and trying as hard as I can to help find a cure so that future generations don't have to, you know, don't have to go through this. I'm thinking specifically of my two grandsons. Um, by the time they grow up, you know, they're going to grow up in a world with, where there's um, violence and wars and fractured government and what have you. And I really like to help find a cure for cancer so they don't have to grow up also in a world where cancer is still in existence. Um, and that's, that's more or less a thumbnail of my life story, if you will. Well, I mean, going from being the uh, entitled and spoiled uh, child to being somebody who's now a, a coach and a mentor and you are giving back so much, that's a huge turnaround. What, what can you pinpoint that to? Is that directly related to your cancer experience? Well, a lot of it has to do with family, starting, of course, with my lovely wife, Susan, and friends, and, you know, just look myself in the mirror and, and getting my act together. So I would have a long last third of my life, and I had promised Susan, since we met later in life, that I would live with her till we're 95, so we can dance at our 50th wedding anniversary. <laughs> after the um, first cancer diagnosis I said it but I wasn't sure if I meant it now I'm feeling so good that now I mean it and now I'm making it happen with you know with exercise and nutrition and you know listening to the doctor when they tell me to take this or take that or come in or don't come in or what have you right um, it just you know I, I don't there's not one thing I can attribute it to um, it's it's just, you know, getting self-motivated and looking yourself in the mirror and, and, you know, turning your life around so you would live a long, productive life. Right. Absolutely. And I've uh, come across some, a few of my own struggles where there were times where I easily could have just rolled over and given up. And that's not who we are. Right. And it, it's very easy to do. Yep. Um, I won't say every moment is uh, filled with sunshine, if you will, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did have my moments. I mean, um, you know, li lying in a hospital bed, for me, um, I am the original cranky, impatient curmudgeon. Um, as a matter of fact, Amanda, if you look up the term impatient patient in the dictionary, you'll see my picture there. Um, <laughs> and I'm... And, um, I'm trying to be better for my sake and for Susan's sake. And I think she would say, maybe I'm getting a little better, but still I have my moments. You know, if, if you're, if you're an impatient per person all your life like that, you know, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but I'm doing my very best. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not easy, but you know, it's a question of, you know, you can be up and positive or down and, depressed. And I think back to a conversation I had with a young lady when I first went into the multiple myeloma. She said, Mr. Guernsey, you're so upbeat and enthusiastic. She said, I sure wish my brother was like that. He had cancer too, but now he's gone. 
So it's it's a lot a lot of it, a lot of it is is attitude, and you know being relentless, being resilient, and just um, you know taking care of yourself, your friends, your family, and, and making the best version of yourself you can. You know we we have a very short time on this planet. I don't want to philosophize too much, but um, I'm just at, at the moment trying to be, you know. A good father, a good husband, a good grandfather, etc. I gotta ask, how old are your grandkids? Um, Harry is seven, and oh. Bo Bo is two and a half. Oh my goodness! And that guy. as a matter of fact, we're planning a trip next month up to see them for our as our seventy seventy first birthday present to ourselves. Um, and they live in live in Boston or outside of Boston. And, you know, we, we get to see them once, sometimes twice a year, but we do um, FaceTime, you know, just about every week. And they're, they're amazing. That's I'm cool. So, I'm looking forward to having my first grandchild uh, do May 25th. Really? Congratulations. That's, oh, <laughs> Thank you. you. You will love it. It is the most, it is the best experience. And, and they are um you know, in a large sense, my reason for going on like I am in terms of my health, my nutrition, my exercise, so that I can see them, you know, hopefully um, grow up, get married, go to college, those type of things. Yeah. And, and make me a great grandfather. I don't know if I can do that. But <laughs> I don't know if I can live with that, but we'll see. Well, the older one's seven, so I mean, biologically yeah. speaking, they could probably do that within the yeah. next ten years. It, it, but you probably don't want it that quick. <laughs> uh, not so much. No. No. He, yeah, he's, um, it's worth fighting for. <laughs> he's gonna be. He's gonna be an athlete of sorts. He's a very talented young man. He, he's, very he's, nice. He's, he's like a win. He's gonna be in the Olympics pretty soon. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I love that. So what resources or uh, services or people have been really helpful, the most helpful in your recovery process, getting through all your cancer treatments and all that stuff? Well, there's several. First and foremost is the American Cancer Society, of course. Um, they're phenomenal. And they've, they've been great to me. Um, secondly is um, the local hospitals here. You know, when we lived in Boston, they had pretty good hospitals up there. And I thought I was, you know, being taken good care of it. And I was, but the two hospitals down here, Northside Hospital and uh, Northeast Georgia Medical Center are, have been phenomenal. Um, and they've treated me so, so well. I'm, it's, it's my privilege to send them emails to the two CEOs, letting them know how much they take, they've taken care of me. I was on a local TV channel talking about what a great job they did. And mm -hmm. The, the nurses and the staff at these two hospitals really, really, really earned their paycheck treating this impatient old curmudgeon, you know, <laughs> but, but nobody, nobody blinked an eye, um, no complaints. They just, they did a phenomenal job and, you know, I have a lot of respect and, and you know, they've just been so good to me, um, you know, b between them um, and the Cancer Society and, you know, my family, Susan, primarily. Um, I'm just, you know, I, I, do, I truly feel, Amanda, that I am the luckiest man alive. 
I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. It definitely comes out. It's been a pretty cool um, uh, story for you. I mean, you've had a lot of challenging years, of course. Yeah, it, 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 yeah it's been a, an interesting journey, to say the least. But um, someone much wiser than I, Amanda, and that, that encompasses an awful lot of people, said, God doesn't give you anything you can't handle. Right. And in my case, that's definitely true. Well, the devil might give you more, though. <laughs> well, that's a ways off in the future. You know? Yeah. So tell me, what is an Emmerman? Is it an Emmerman angel? Emmerman angel. It's a basically a, can, a cancer mentor. I just okay. counsel other, in some cases, less experienced cancer patients, people who are just being diagnosed, um, and, and just... You know, lend them an ear and lend them, you know, tell them my story as a way of, you know, making them understand that it can be done. I mean, you know, I start by telling people that I went from being essentially bedridden for nine weeks, including four hospital stays, to running 40 consecutive minutes on a treadmill. Wow. And I always end with, if I can do it, you can do it. Right. So many people get that diagnosis and they think that's the end of the line and they've lost all hope. And yes. if they start thinking in those terms, they are going to lose the battle because you've got to be willing to do the treatments. You've got to be willing to do what the doctors are telling you to do and take the medications and follow through with this stuff and, and fight. You Absolutely know? right. It sounds like you read my nine point plan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I touch on that for the audience. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I I have developed a nine point plan, which has become very popular um, among cancer patients. Um, that has worked for me. You know, I I always include a disclaimer. This is what has worked for me. It should not be construed as medical advice or taken as such. But things like uh, and, and, and Susan says it's not rocket scientist, but rocket science, but if you follow it, it can help. Things like get the best medical care you can, doctors, nurses, whatever. And it sounds very simplistic, but I had a, a patient who didn't, she wasn't happy with her existing doctor and existing facility, hospital that she was going to. And I happen to know this facility because it's right down the street from here. Um, and I told her, you owe it to yourself to get a second opinion. She said, but I don't want to offend the doctor. And I said, you're not. I mean, doctors are professionals. They get asked for second opinions all the time. But you owe it to yourself, your family, your friends, and anyone who loves you to get the absolute best care you can. Because, you know, you only, only go this way once in life. Um, and... You know, I haven't heard from her recently, but I did connect it with my doctor. And I don't know if they, they've talked, but my hematologist is the best of the best. So when I can refer someone to her, I do that without fail. Um, I touched on exercise. I touched on nutrition. Um, I, I'll tell you a story. When Susan and I first met, we had a blind date, a first date. And I told her I had been a bachelor for 15 years and had developed some very poor eating habits. 
And she said, you do know what the four food groups are, don't you? <laughs> and I said, of course I do. Pizza, Chinese food, Bud Light, and Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and ever since then, now she's got me. Now I have lettuce, and I have strawberries, and I have bananas, and I have fruits and veggies just about every meal. Um, another thing that I did and that I recommend people do is when all possible, surround yourself with loved ones, family, friends, neighbors, anyone who can support your efforts. Um, it reminds me of a story when um, we first got home from the hospital after my nine week stay after my stem cell transplant. You know, I kind of managed to hold it together for the most part, remaining kind of calm and stoic for myself and also for Susan's self, uh, for Susan's sake. I pulled in the driveway, we pulled in the driveway and a big banner across the, the whole width of the garage that said, welcome home, Keith. And it was signed by all our neighbors and friends. And then I lost it completely. I started crying like a baby. Oh. And, and um, Susan and I gathered our thoughts, went inside. I had a walker at the time. We mapped out a plan to get me back to uh, where I was so I could get back into the gym. Um, you know, other things in the nine-point plan are um, things like vitamins and supplements. If you watch TV, you will see every vitamin, every supplement ever made. Um, but they theoretically and, and practically, they can intrude on your existing to find medications and treatment that your doctor is giving you. So if you just take anything willy-nilly, you know, you might have an issue there. I, you know, I right. make, make sure my doctor is totally in tune with what I'm taking. And I take exactly what she told me, a B12 and an iron pill every day. And that is it. No yep. supplements, no tons of uh, vitamins. I was taking five vitamins a day. Um, another thing is rest, sleep. You know, and I know cancer patients, I mean, like multiple myeloma patients have weakened bones. I've heard a lot of people say they fractured this or they broke that or they're in pain for this. And, you know, for me, you have to try and find a way to get some sleep. Even if it's, if it's taking a nap during the day, you know, your body says rest, you rest. Um, for me, getting to sleep at night, you know, shut off all electronics, including the TV half an hour before, hot shower, Warm milk and I'm off to La La Land. Nice. <laughs> you know, um, and the biggie and the final one, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm kind of going from memory, but is cultivate and maintain a positive attitude. It will help you in many, many ways. And it will help you um, beat cancer and deal with cancer better. Um, and, and, you know, it, it really, really works. And, and you know, it, like I said, it's, it's easy to have a bad day, but we all, we all have to rebound. And I tell folks, you know, strike words like can't and won't and don't out of your vocabulary. And I always end by telling cancer patients that I work with, I'm a phone call away. If you want to talk, in more detail, you call me anytime, you text me, I'll be happy to, to uh, you know, see if I can uh, lend an ear and, and help you, um, you know, get out of the, get out of the doldrums, so to speak. Right. 
I imagine a lot of people would be able to find a lot of inspiration either through you directly or through your book. And from what I understand, you have a sample of your book that you would like to read for the audience. Is that right? Oh, I do? Oh, oh, I forgot about that. Wait a minute. (laughs) You have to bear with me. No, you're Uh, good. We can keep talking while you go and grab that, too. You're fine. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) I I have an old computer that's older than I am. Oh, wait, I know what I could do. Stand by. I can I can read it here. Okay. Um, I have a hard copy. Um, I totally totally spaced that off, but it's called "Everyone Needs a Laugh." And where is it here now? Page seven. Or walking into the BMT, which is um, an acronym for Blood and Marrow Transplant Group, which is where I had my stem cell tra- transplant waiting room was like walking into a room of gloom. The room was full of my fellow cancer patients. Everyone had a dour expression on their face behind the masks we were required to wear. We all sat around waiting to be called for our blood work and you could just about hear a pin drop. It was a privilege to provide some comic relief, albeit unintentionally. You see, I had lost another 30 pounds and my clothes were getting very baggy. I heard my name called and jumped up. As I went up, my shorts went down, and every everyone doubled over with laughter. I I quickly pulled them up, but the damage was done. Susan said it was truly hysterical. Yours truly, not so much. Fortunately, <laughs> there wasn't enough time for anyone to pull out their phone and film this faux pas. When I went back, the nurse said my BP was extreme, extremely high, and she asked if there was a reason for that. I explained what had happened, and she did her very best not to laugh. But I'm certain that the next coffee or lunch break, she told this story to all her fellow doctors and nurses, and they had a good chuckle. After slinking embarrassingly out of the office, I went back to the hotel where I was staying to find my belt. Suffice to say, I have worn it every day since. (laughs) Oh, Keith. (laughs) Oh, you weren't going commando that day, were you? Uh, no, <laughs> thankfully not. I was not doing, I was not doing my best Joey Tribbiani imitation. No, <laughs> I was not going commando that day. And I'm forever grateful that I was not. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> but it was, uh, um, that's, that is chapter seven in on the road to remission. Um, wanted to give everyone a little, uh, little chuckle in the midst of, uh, a rather serious, um, story about my year and a half battle with multiple myeloma. Wow. Well, I love that you do have that sense of humor because I know that's not an easy thing to hang on to sometimes, especially in those dark moments, man. It's it's tough. It can yeah. be. It can be. But um, I choose to kind of look at the lighter side of life, if you will. Absolutely. That's the best way to get through it. So that was from On the Road to Remission. I know you've also got Overcoming the Odds, and you said that you've got five total. If yes. people are looking for your books, where should they go to grab them? They just go to Amazon and type in Keith Guernsey, and I'll spell it since they tell me I still have my Boston accent. It's <laughs> K-E-I-T-H-G-U-E-R-N-S-E-Y. Go to the okay. search, type in Keith Guernsey, and all my books and all my stories will come up. Nice. And, and, and if they buy a thousand copies or more, I will fly to their location and autograph every one of them. 
Oh, that is beautiful. I love that. (laughs) How do you celebrate your wins in life when you do something like, like write a new book or overcome another obstacle? We go to the beach. Nice. We go to, we live in Gainesville, Georgia, which is about five and a half hours from St. Simon's Island. And that's our go, that's our go-to place. We've been there um, a total of two and a half months in the last 15 months. And that's how, um, after my last cancer treatment on October 28th, you know, I rang the ceremonial bell and we got in the car and we have a, a little, very, very spoiled four-footed adopted daughter. And she travels with us everywhere. <laughs> um, she's a 12 pound bundle of joy. Um, and we, we went there for a month and just, we had a blast walk on the beach every morning you know, take her off the leech and she runs like crazy. (laughs) Wonderful. As a matter of fact, you know, it's already February. We're planning our next trip down there probably in the spring. Fantastic. Wow. That's awesome. So there's always one last question that I ask of people before I let them go. Sure. Um, You got to name at least, at least it can be more at least one thing that you love about yourself that's not based on your physical appearance? That I'm resilient and relentless. Brilliant. Yes, you are. You are a true um, model of what somebody should be after facing major trauma and, and cancer and brain surgeries and all the stuff that you've had to face. You're an incredible human being, Keith, and I'm really happy you were able to join me on the show today. Can I quote you on that? Tell my wife you said that. (laughs) (laughs) You sure can, because it's going to be aired. Um, (laughs) It's going to be on the air. You can even play her the episode. Cool. You can even narrow it down to that one little part. I can even clip that out and email it to you if you want, so you can put it as a ringtone. (laughs) Absolutely. I tried that. (laughs) Thank you very much, Keith. I absolutely loved having you with me. As did I. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure you check out the episode description. You're going to find links there on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support this podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted, but I can say that. I work for myself. In short, this show really is all about the guest. If you've enjoyed this interview, please feel free to let them know. Mm-hmm.